This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. So excited for today's show. I have an incredible guest. She is a mama and a friend, as well as an incredible parenting expert. I have the fabulous Rena B. Patel, who is based in the San Diego area, and she's a renowned parenting expert, licensed educational psychologist, board-certified behavior analyst, and author. For more than 20 years, Patel has had the privilege of working with families and children, supporting all aspects of education, mental health, and positive wellness. She works extensively with typically developing children, as well as children with exceptional needs, supporting their academic, behavioral, and social emotional development and she can read all about her obviously on her you know website and check out all her books and services about her amazing parenting tips we're actual friends like I said so she's given me some great parenting tips I'm so excited to have Rena here Rena welcome to my show hi Allie hi how are you I'm good I, I can't, I'm so excited to be here uh, speaking with you obviously you and I chat uh, always outside of all of this, but I'm so excited to be here on your podcast. Oh, well, I'm so excited to have you. We've been trying to figure this out for a hot minute. I was on your amazing radio show, The Parenting um, Experiment, and and we had so much fun. Um, And so I'm so excited to have you here today. And, you know, I think that everything, obviously, that you do and share when it comes to parenting and the tips and especially now with everyone you know handling so much of this pandemic it's just incredible and it's so needed so before we get into all that I just want you to give my listeners a little background on you and how you wound up here uh well I um I've always been working I still work as a practicing child psychologist I am also an educational psychologist and what that means is anything related to not just mental wellness and mental health but anything related to learning And that's so critical, especially in this pandemic, as all of us are putting on this uh, teacher hat. Um, It's it's just so important. And so I love learning. I love school. In fact, I just finished doing um, some postgraduate work in what's called positive psychology. And so because I love learning so much, I found about maybe eight, nine years ago that there were a couple of resources missing. And so out in the community, and I felt the age, younger kids, age group around three and 10, there weren't really enough books that prepare them for some of the life stressors as I got as, got them as teenagers in a lot of my therapeutic sessions. And the one being anxiety. Anxiety is a huge uptick in everywhere. Even I have kids as young as two who are now anxious, and it's really a lot to do with what's going on in our environment. And so I wrote a couple of children's books, my um, most popular one being Winnie and Her Worries. And that is really teaching kids at a young age, around three to 10 years old, how to deal with worries and stress so they don't get so piled up that it becomes something so much bigger when I get them as teenagers. And by doing that, I started to market the books and realized that connected with uh, 
you know, a great working team. And they said, you know what, Rena, you've got something bigger than just your books. We really think you need to join the whole media movement and take it a lot bigger on a bigger platform. And it was then that I realized, Allie, that you're right. I don't want to just stay in my bubble and just share what I know after all these years of training and just apply it to just a small population. I wanted to just, you know, take a megaphone and share it with everyone because parenting is hard and there isn't one manual, one book on how to do it. And I wanted to take from my own personal experiences. I'm a mom of three. I have a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a six-year-old. And I really wanted to share realistic tips that were scientifically based and practical. And so thus I am now, you know, have the lovely opportunity of just getting on news stations, different television networks, podcasts such such as your own, and sharing just my own advice, but they're expert tips that are too true and tried and tested. Yes, I love that. And I love obviously like you said, like you are a mom as well. And so you totally get it. And you know, you're you're in the thick of it, you've been in the thick of it. So you, you know, you know. So it's like not only are you an expert and you're, you know, know what you're talking about because of your expertise, but you also can truly speak to it because you live it and you practice it. And I know you've told me when we've had conversations offline about the different things that you create for others you use in your own home. Yes. I mean, you have to, in, in order to know, that's the biggest challenge for me is someone to tell, give tips or advice on things they haven't really tried themselves. It's, it's easier to read something in a book, right? Many of us have done these how-to books, right? And say, oh, wow, it looks like piece of cake. And then in, in actuality, it's a lot harder to do, especially when it comes to teaching our kids something I call positive discipline. Uh, you know, just dealing with some of the challenging behaviors and tantrums sometimes our kids have. It's easier said than done in terms of some of the advice that's out there, right? Absolutely. Well, and like, okay, let's be clear. There's so much advice out there. There's an overload of advice for parents nowadays. It's like back in the day, they had nothing. Nowadays, you have everything under the sun and you go, oh my gosh. I mean, even me, you know, in the influencer space, and people send me things and I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Oh my God, this is great. But it's like, there's so much stuff and there's so much overload and it can be so overwhelming. So like, for you, Rena, as a parenting expert, like, what do you want to share that you think, you know, would really help parents, especially right now, that, like, they can really, you know, take and use? And, of course, they can reach out to you for actual services and one-on-one, -on -one, but, like, what are some basic things? Let's break this down. Like, what, what do you, you know, what would you want to share? You know, that's a great question. I mean, there's so much, but the one thing I want to tell parents is to give yourself permission to do the best that you can. I think we, as moms especially, are the, our hardest critics. And we don't intentionally seek out to see what everybody else is doing, but it's just human nature to think that everybody else is doing it so much better than we are. In actuality, we are all struggling. I myself can tell you, I, it's just not an easy job. It's the most, being a parent is the hardest job second to any career that we have. And uh, we just don't give ourselves enough credit. So give yourself permission and it's okay to make mistakes. Make mistakes because as children observe and watch us, that's actually how they're learning. They're not learning by perfection. They're learning to see how we handle challenging situations, how we pick ourselves up 
and bounce back. That's actually how they're learning. And I think we want to make sure that we allow for that space for ourselves, um, kind of put aside that judgment. So we teach our kids as they get older to not be so critical on themselves. And then the other big thing I wanna share in terms of just kind of general parenting is um, to make sure you allow your kids to be independent. I think we've become this helicopter society uh, where we are just so in the know. I mean, I know growing up, I don't think my mom knew half the things that I feel like I know about my own kids. And I think we need to step away from that um, as our kids kind of get older. And it's really hard. And one of the biggest advices I give uh, new moms uh, is that don't be afraid to leave your child with a family member, a caretaker, a sitter, just to go out on a date. I know it's the hardest thing to do, but it's the best thing you can do for your child because you're already then teaching them autonomy, independence. And so those are my three big tips that I'll, I'll start with now. <laughs> I love that. No, totally. And I mean, okay, let's be real. We're all obviously in this pandemic and obviously everyone's states are a little bit different depending, you know, who's listening. You and I are in California and we're pretty much locked down, even though they say we're open, we're not really open. Um, and it, they, it's pretty much kind of restricted that we're all kind of pretty much at home. You know, when you say get out there and, you know, date or, you know, go out with your partner and reconnection, what yeah. would you say like right now, in your opinion, are, you know, some tips to do that? Like, I know, you know, right now your family and you just escaped and got out um, to have some reconnection just all together, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm speaking to you. It was an active decision. We have to really take time away. And so as a parent, if you're a new parent or you're just feeling burnt out, I mean, just separating yourself to go for a walk, just to, just to even go for a drive and listen to music, just to give yourself a little bit of space. Uh, how many times can you tell yourself, especially when you've got little ones, that you're able to take a shower without... Oh <laughs> feeling to rush or your, your little one is like banging on the door or trying to go to the bathroom in, just with peace. I mean, we don't get that. And so you have to cut and carve out that time and tell your partner or spouse or, or friend that can you help me out? I think it's really, it's, we have to be able to ask for help. And I think we uh, are getting better at it, but we just need to be able to ask for help. It's okay if, if people don't offer, and, and a lot of times we do. We, I think we need to become better at that, Allie, right? Like offering and checking in, which I think this whole pandemic has really taught us to do that more, right? To check in with everyone. Yeah, I think that's a great message and, and something to definitely take away from this is like we definitely, as much as the pandemic and everything that's happening has been very hard and very heavy, there have been a lot of gifts and a lot of silver linings and what you just described of like the grace and the slowing down and the checking in not only with yourself, but checking in with others and really doing it with intention and being meaningful about it and genuinely making sure someone's okay is definitely been a shift in this time. And I have to say, like, I'm very grateful for it being that I just became a mom of two. Yes. Congratulations again. Thank you. I know what one day IRL you'll meet Arlie. Uh, <laughs> you've met Amelia, but one day you'll meet Arlie. But you know, it's um it's a really good point when you say that. Like you have to be willing to ask for help. You have to be willing to put yourself out there. It's not easy. I struggled 
hardcore with Amelia. I felt so ashamed. You know, I felt so alone in so many different ways in the beginning of motherhood and not being able to express like, oh my gosh, I like you just said, I just need a freaking shower. I just need a minute. I just need this. I just need that. And being able to communicate it. And I think that that is a really good point and just so important. And so to that point, Rena, you know, we talk about all the time mom guilt, right? So I feel like this is a perfect segue and tie-in to that of like working through that mom guilt. What advice would you have with that, you know, along with what I just shared? You know, if you, it's hard. First of all, we don't put ourselves on this to-do list. I mean, we were always on the bottom. The way I like to word it when I have these conversations with, with families, and again, going back to moms, I think moms carry this a lot more. Um, not to say dads don't. But I, the way I like to teach this concept is um, think about your child. I mean, you've got girls. I've got two girls too. Um, and one of the things I, I think about is what is it, do you want them to feel just as guilty taking time for themselves or wanting to go out and, and pursue a career maybe? And, and, and maybe someone is, society is telling them not to, or, you know, uh, go and um, take time to go on a vacation or ask for that raise or, you know, whatever it is, you don't want that guilt to be setting in. And, and, and I think it goes back to being that role model, being that person, the person that your child is looking up to and showing them how you can do it. And it doesn't, you don't have to do it all. There shouldn't be this thing that I can balance it all and I can, I must do it all. You can let things go. And the best recommendation I, I always tell anyone is if even as a family, if you're going to put something on your plate, take something off. Don't just keep piling it on because you're going to be there like this pressure cooker and you're going to explode. And so um, I think, I just think the mom guilt is going to happen but you have to uh, just work with it. I mean, you're just gonna have to work with those emotions and just tell yourself that it's okay. Everyone is going to be okay. And they're, you know, they can wait. It's the best skill you can give your loved ones is teaching them how to wait for your attention or wait for your, you know, your ability to do something. Oh my gosh, so true. Arlie's literally sucking my hand over here. She decided to skip her last. <laughs> nap and she wanted to, I think she's very excited to get to you know sit here with you <laughs> she's just all in and like grabbing me and sucking on me and the whole thing but it, it's just so true and so that takes me to another good point work-life balance you talk about this a lot let's let's talk about this let's 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 break this down a little bit because personally for me i have thrown the word balance out the window it gives me in my opinion a negative connotation i really struggle with it when i try to think about like how am i going to balance things today it actually really gives me anxiety so i want to hear from you as an expert in so many different you know fields when it comes to this like what is work-life balance to you and how would you explain it to my audience you know, it's great that you said balance because the reality is, is I don't think we can ever find a hundred percent balance, right? I mean, where we could just be, look at you right now. I mean, you're working <laughs> you are with your little one, well, you're with Arlie. And so I think we have to um, use the word flexible. How can we be most flexible? Because I think what happens is we set ourselves up with these unrealistic expectations and then uh, we feel defeated and because we didn't meet them. And so I, especially during this pandemic, I really want everyone to feel and think about adjusting your expectations and not bringing it down. You're just adjusting it. But I think 
the more flexible you are with yourself and things around you. So, you know, when you pass by that room, you know, that you wanted to like organize and, and the toys are everywhere and that starts to stress you out, you're just going to have to let that go. Okay. You want to pick your battles. You want to be able to say today, focus on the now, what do I want to accomplish, but what's realistic about it? And what I want you to include in your today planner, whether it's a Google calendar, whether it's you're writing it down or just a mental note, post it. I want you to pick, you know, workouts that are realistic that you are going to accomplish. A few family tasks that you are going to pit, do with your family, your children, your spouse, your partner, um, that are realistic. And then pick on, you know, again, on that to-do list, pick what's for you. What is it that you're going to do for yourself that is realistic, a realistic expectation that you're, you're not going to say no to. And that to me is more along the lines of a realistic balance with some flexibility. So the reason I say flexibility is there are going to be times that you're not going to be able to, to get to it, but allow yourself some freedom, whether you can put it on at the end of the day, or you can give yourself five minutes of it, whatever it is, and not be so hard on yourself for not being able to accomplish it. And that's probably the best advice when, I, when it comes to this whole work-life balance. Yes. And I think that's so important. And I love that you said that about the flexibility because like, let's just throw the word balance out the window. It's like, I just, I, honestly, I get anxiety reading just from people saying, oh, you're so good at balancing. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> this is not a balance over here. Like there are days where I get everything done for work. My house looks like a bomb blew up and the laundry is piled, you know, sky high and everything is a mess and I can barely even see straight. And then there are days where I get nothing done for work except for like one maybe thing on deadline and the house is cleaned up and everybody's, you know, making things happen on a schedule and everything's good. I can never find I me like actually getting everything to align. And so I think it's really awesome as you as an expert and psychologist and all things that you do that you say that about flexibility and giving parents yeah. that grace. Yeah, you have to be flexible. There are many times a week that I, by the time I've finished everything, I look at the, the sink piled up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I clean the kitchen. That's usually my last, you know, the end of the day. And I'm like, you know what? That's just going to wait because sleep is much more important to me. You know, you or I do want to take a, a hot shower and I'm just going to relax. And, and I think it's telling yourself, I, that's the hardest thing uh, is telling yourself that I'm okay with that. And everyone else is going to be okay with that. You know, it's just throw away the judgment, throw away the self, you know, being so critical on yourself, you that feeling that you're the guilt going back to the guilt because it's okay. And it's going to be okay. I mean, there, there are bigger challenges and problems in the world. As long as your kids are fed, you know, you've done what you needed to do, got through your work, the way, what the, the to do's that you needed to do. And then that's okay. And you can get to the, you know, the, the kitchen and, and the laundry and all of that stuff another time. Yes. Thank you for that. And thank you for that grace. I think especially right now, parents need to hear that. I know moms, especially listening, need to hear that. So thank you. Know, thank you for that. And so you're really big, Rena, on positive parenting. I want to know when someone hears that from you, positive parenting, what does that mean? And why does it work for you? Yeah, so positive parenting is actually something that is evidence-based. It's like empirically. What that means is there's data supporting it. And I've just been implementing this not only as a mom myself, but just in general. And what it tells us 
is there is a component of parenting where requires teaching. And so oftentimes, and there's, I, and I want to preface this, that as parents, we're doing the best that we can, and we need to set aside the judgment, right? When we go to the grocery store and we see how a parent handles a child who's like throwing a tantrum on the floor, or well, I wouldn't do that. You know, we need to put, we never know anyone's situation. But what I want to tell is what, what, what is more successful is when we pair a positive approach to teaching our children what we expect them to do versus uh, disciplining and putting them in a take a break, a timeout, punishing them uh, and taking something away and just saying, no, you shouldn't do that. You can't have that. And so when we talk about behaviors, uh, kids exhibit uh, behaviors, humans exhibit behaviors for four different reasons. And behaviors are a form of communication. And so either if a child is acting out, for example, either they're wanting your attention, they're wanting to get out of something, they have an internal sensorial need, uh, maybe it's too hot, or maybe they feel uncomfortable, or maybe they're hungry, uh, or maybe they have a need a diaper change, or they want something tangible. They're crying, they're throwing a tantrum because they see something and they want it. And so when I talk about positive uh, parenting, one of the things that I recommend is when you see a challenging behavior, uh, when you see a child who's upset, or maybe a child who's uh, what I call protesting, telling you no, they don't want to do something, I really want you to think about, put, put that detective parenting cap on, and try to see if, you're, if it is that your child wants something, that attention. Sometimes it's just social attention. They want your love. Um, or are they acting out because they want your attention? You know, the, the kids who um, are crawling and get, getting, they're learning to go up the stairs, but they don't actually crawl up the stairs. They wait till you look at them before they go up the stairs. That's like an attention seeking experience or behavior. Or do they want to get out of something? And so if you look at all those things and you try to teach them a better way to do it, to, to, to ask for it um, or to provide them with two choices so they feel like they're in control and they can pick one choice over another. Um, that's what positive parenting is. It's not really just about uh, punishment because what happens is in punishment, people don't realize punishment isn't just spanking or isn't just yelling. Punishment is even removing that game that they loved and you take it away from them. That's a form of punishment too. Putting them in a timeout or taking a break from something is a form of punishment too. And so we have to realize that over time, there's research that supports us. It's not as effective. We have to teach them the better behavior, the better option for them to choose so they learn. And that's really what positive parenting is all about. I love that. That's so... Uh, you know, it sounds like so simple when you actually break it down like that. But I think for a lot of parents, so, you know, to think about that in the big picture, it can be very daunting. But the way you just explained it and broke it down, it's like, it's actually very simple. And if you really get to the root of it, and you can start, like you just said, with very simple things to start that. It doesn't have to be like this brand new program that you roll yeah. out and feel like you're overwhelmed by. Right. I mean, the goal I tell parents is to be consistent. And I mean, I mean, 
you can give, um, there are lots of challenges that, that kids exhibit, right? Um, let's say you want them to uh, wear a particular outfit or you want to change, you know, a lot of times, especially with independent toddlers, I don't call them terrible twos. I always call them the independent twos. Um, I'll give you that as an example is oftentimes we want to leave the house or go do something and it's taking forever. We're like, oh my goodness, why? Because they want to do everything themselves, right? Right, yes. <laughs> so they do it. And, and because they want to be independent and they're so proud and they're like, no, I got this. I'm going to do it. And when you say, let me just help you put your shoes on. They're like, they, there's, they start crying. And it's because they want to be in control. That's the developmental stage of I've got this. I want to be in control. I want to do it. And by understanding that they want to do something, we either kind of have to adjust our schedule and also give them a couple of choices that you, it's like a win-win. So yeah, maybe it's freezing outside and they don't want to wear a jacket or a sweater, but it's cold. Um, maybe you give them a few options that are, are warm enough, but they feel like they've got this and they're in control and they've picked it for themselves and you did it. And that's what works. I mean, you want to be at several steps ahead of your kids. And this is all the way into their teenage, early adulthood years. I mean, I've got teens um, that I'm helping families with who they, I'm able to help parents navigate, thankfully, um, because of my training on how to still be a few steps ahead, even though they feel like they're in control. Right. So true. And I love you said tremendous twos because it's true. It's like, everyone says like, oh, terrible twos. And I've even corrected people when they've said it about me. And I'm like, she's just really independent and she wants to do it herself. And I have to like reprogram my brain and be like, how awesome is that, that she wants to put her shoes on? How awesome is that, that she wants to help me instead of sitting there like a, you know, baby and wanting to be helped. Yeah, exactly. It's a great skill. The more they want to be independent. I know it's, it, it's harder for us, but um, it's just a great skill that they're, they're developing at that time. Yes. And so to that, this is like the perfect segue to my next question, because you talk a lot about teaching our children how to regulate their own emotions. Let's dive into this. Yes. Um, the, the best thing we can do when they're young around, I mean, toddler years is really putting that mirror in front of their face and then starting with expressions, right? Just, just knowing what a smile is or what a silly face is, or if they're sticking their tongue out, um, just getting those books that start to talk about the, you know, the happy, the sad, don't be afraid to bring that into your just everyday play with everyday toys. I love Mr. Potato Head because we start to work. I start to work on emotions with Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head. And I, I think it's so important to be able to teach them to label and identify what emotions are because you can't start to teach them how to regulate it until they really know what it all is. And so uh, when it, when your child is crying, um, or the first thing we tend to do is, is parents, or just as societies, we say, don't cry. And why do we do that? We shouldn't tell them don't cry. Of course we do. Maybe it's too loud or maybe we're in a restaurant or, or whatnot, but we want to validate and say, oh, I see that you're crying. You, are you upset? Or you may, you must be upset. So I think uh, just rephrasing what we, sh what we say to our kids is important. And also um, helping them identify what their emotions are and then helping them regulate it. My favorite, especially with little ones, when you've got kids who are in their toddler years um, uh, up to even elementary school, and that's, um, I would say, nine, 10 years old, 
um, it's a great time. They're concrete learners. And what that means is they learn by seeing and doing and feeling. And so I love, uh, I've created, if you go onto my website or come on to my, um, my Instagram page, I, I have a few examples of what's called emotion thermometers. And it's a visual and it's literally a, a cardstock or it looks like an actual thermometer, but it's broken down in colors. And um, it has like the red and the orange where I'm like, you know, really upset uh, down, uh, down to um, the, the yellows and the greens. And so the reason that we, I do that is helping kids identify and knowing how to help bring them down. And so let's say you've got a little one who's really, really upset because something happened, maybe their paper tore, their, they couldn't find their doll, or they don't want to go somewhere, finish their veggies on their plate. Um, when they're really upset and really um, crying or say, I don't want to do this, we want to validate and say, like, I see, I hear using your senses and label that emotion and then show them where they're at on that emotions thermometer. So then you can also then help them get down to a place where they're calmer and then you can try to problem solve. Yes. That's so, I love that you said that about like their emotions and like that, that's like a huge part of them, like feeling and learning because that just like really struck a chord with me with Amelia being, you know, two and a half and seeing how much she really ventures and, you know, just tests different things. And sometimes I get frustrated and I have to remind myself, like, this is all part of her learning process. Yes. Yes. She's, I mean, they're, they're curious. And um, think about little infants who like start to like make sounds before they're able, they're communicating, right? They're making sounds and they're making these high pitches and tones and then they start to hear it and they start to play around with that. I mean, that's really what it's all about. They're starting to develop these emotions and you'll see once they start to develop, get into school and they're just gonna see what society, what's acceptable. They're gonna start reading social cues and go, wait, you know, oh, I can't cry because no one else is crying because I didn't get what I wanted for my snack. And so they'll start to naturally regulate expected behaviors. But of course, uh, we wanna help you. It's when, it, when a child is upset or when we as adults are upset, it's hard for us to process what we're supposed to do or even have a conversation. I mean, I'll, I'll talk to parents out there who are listening who have teenagers. When they're super upset about something, let's say they didn't get a grade they wanted or they wanted to go take the car out to go somewhere or, and I'll be honest, I'll give you a personal example. Just yesterday, my teenager was um, panicking because she couldn't, these poor kids are doing remote learning and she couldn't get out into her um, Spanish class and she had a presentation and she was freaking out. Um, and she, it, for her and her perspective, it was a crisis. Here we are as adults saying, okay, we can figure this out. She's like, you don't get it. You don't understand. That's usually the first thing that comes out of their mouth is we don't get it. <laughs> and, um, and so you have to listen and you have to wait for that moment of calm in their high emotion. I'm so upset um, and say, I'm here. Tell me when you're ready for my help. And they will, they'll calm down at a certain point and say, I need you. And sometimes it's just a real quick hug and then say, let's tackle this together. Uh, let's let, but you have to listen to them. You've got to validate, you've got to empathize just at any age. Um, but I'm talking to you about my teenager. And then she got to a, a point where she was like, okay, I'm ready. She takes that deep breath. And I said, okay, let's tackle this together. And so you really do have to, you can't dismiss any emotion that they're feeling because they're going to feel like one, they're not respected. 
And then two, they're going to feel like you're just, you're not there for them on their side. And so validate, empathize, you use the words, I hear you, I see you, that must be hard. And as parents, as kids get older, we have a tendency to always just want to problem solve. And sometimes they just want to talk and they just want us to listen. And so it's really important to use some of those active listening skills. Yes. And oh my God, Rena, when you just said that, I started like laughing at myself because not just with kids, but like with our own partners, like Justin, my husband said to me the other day, he was saying something to me and I was giving him all these solutions. He goes, I'm not asking you to problem solve. I'm just asking you to listen. I'm just venting to you. I'm just explaining something. And I was like immediately in problem solve mode. And I think especially not just as parents, but especially as mothers, we love to problem solve because obviously mama bear kicks in and we want to fix everything. Right. Right. So true. It's, it's just so true. You know, so it's like, so for you personally, like, obviously you're an expert and you know, you're incredible in everything you do, but you're also human (laughs) and, you know, and you know, and you're a mom of three and, you know, and you're very busy and you're, you know, working all the time, especially right now working from home and everything. How has it been for you putting your own, you know, you know, advice that you share with others right now into full practice with your family? What are, what are you seeing? What can you share with us? I have to do those, those mental checks always. I do have to, you know, check in with myself. I do also, um, my husband, who's a physician and he, it's so funny because he's like, you're not practicing exactly what you say you do, uh, out there when you're doing your radio show or you're, I'm like, Oh, Oh my gosh, you're right. You know, because we all, we're all human, just like you said. Um, but the, the nice thing about it is that, um, I'm more aware, I become, I'm more mindful, I have to say, because of what I do on a daily basis. I have tons of children and kiddos that I work with, tons of families that I work with on a daily as a practicing private psychologist and and parent training is what I do all the time. In fact, I work with a lot of school systems, a lot of school districts, a lot of schools that go in and do a lot of um, training to educators, to teachers about how kids learn and, and to make sure that Um, how to keep them motivated. Um, One of the best advice I give, um, just even my own, with my own kids, is we focus so much in a society is how do we keep our kids engaged? How do we keep them motivated? And the the one thing I kind of shift and change that phrase to is the question really should be is how do you keep them curious? Because if you keep kids curious and they're constantly searching and looking for different answers, different ways to do things, motivation is just right around the corner. They're always going to be motivated. And so that's probably my, um, the thing I remind myself with my kids too. So anytime I'm super busy and my little six-year-old comes to me and says, mommy, how do I do this? Of course, half the time it's like, we may not know the answer, which is okay, but don't set, don't set them aside, go and research it. Go, let's look it up together or let's try to figure it out because then they're going to continue to be, you know, persevere and, and be diligent and try to figure things out. There's something called grit. Um, and that's, uh, this uh, lady by the name of Angela Duckworth, uh, she created this concept and what it talks about is later in life, as our little ones become older, we all want them to be successful, Allie, right? We will all want our kids to be happy, successful. And the way to do it, um, having these two traits is being an optimist and having really strong self-discipline skills. If you have those two character traits, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter if your child had straight A's, if they did perfect on their SAT, if they're the all-star football player, if they don't have strong self-discipline and they're not optimistic, 
they're not going to be as successful. And so I, if, for all your listeners, if there's anything that you can kind of start to cultivate with your own little ones is teaching them that, um, yeah, the world is scary sometimes, but just to be optimistic, think positive, find the, the light, you know, at the end of the tunnel, look, even at the smallest things, even for you as parents, and then really um, have some type of self-discipline, some type of work ethic, some type, what, you know, family ethic. One of the things that I do with my own family, we created our own family mission statement. And I always tell parents, I, you know, who I work with or anyone out there, what's the best thing you can do as a family is create a family values or family mission statement, just like a CEO of a company. And um, use that to always fall back on when you guys come across any type of hurdles. I love that. I think that's another great, another great tight takeaway, another great message and something so simple, but can really change the way things go every day in your home. Yeah, absolutely. You have, you just, you're a knit, close knit. You don't want anyone to feel, um, whether it's your husband, you know, partner, spouse, your kid, that they're alone, right? Same with our community, our neighbors. And so you want to um, stay connected, especially during this difficult time. And so um, I know for me as a family, that's really what has gotten us through is just making sure that we stay true to who we are, you know, and be happy with who we are. And then, um, continue to just um, uh, remind ourselves uh, that we want to help our community. And that's part of our mission statement is, you know, laughing and smiling along the way, but doing things that also help others. And so I think that's really been important during this time that we could feel deflated and, and helpless and, and so lonely. Yes, it's so true. So for you, Rena, like, how do you right now, especially in this time, like, self-care and self-love on yourself as a mother and give back to yourself and what would be some things you would want to share with us that maybe we could do as well yeah self-care is such a big it's um such a generalized word but um it's just you know me time whatever you want to call it but for me personally i love um you know, I, I have a Peloton. I, I love working out. So I take time and, and just to take exercise for me, for not everyone, is, is a little bit of my self-care. Uh, and then also just um, uh, doing one of those like long, make sure I take, I allocate time for my shower. I, I'm one of those like, I'm not going to jump in the shower. That's going to be my time. And then I purchased from uh, one of the tips that I, I give myself when I talk about self-care is um, go to your, you know, you may not be able to go now, but get online, one of your favorite spas. And they oftentimes will sell uh, the aroma, the scents that they have that they can spray that you always smell when you walk into a, a day spa. And you can actually purchase what that smell is like. And so I spray it uh, in my bathroom and my shower over my bed. Um, so it's just really calming. It's just a great scent that takes me back to being at the spa. But those are a couple of things that I do for, um, for self-care uh, for myself. And, and, and I enjoy it. Yes. I think that, that's so, and then again, simple things, but so important and, you know, really something to tap into. And, you know, it's like, I hate using the word, you know, self-care. That's why I kind of say self-care, self-love, because to me, it's all intertwined. And I've learned that as a new mom is like, you know, when you allow yourself to do those things to self-care, you're just showing yourself you deserve that self-love. Yep, absolutely. Well, Rena, before I let you go, I want to ask you about, you've talked a lot about on social and other places, like socially distant play dates and, you know, um, being safe, but still being able to connect. Like you've talked about so much of that connection is so important. What tips or what could you maybe share when it comes to that? Because I think a lot of parents 
are starting to like really, let's be honest, lose their minds a little bit, really kind of get, we're all kind of over it as much as like, you know, it's sad to say that we all are. Um, and we all are trying to handle it and just do the best we can do. What are some tips you would give for parents that are kind of ready to do that and open up their bubble, so to say? Yeah, first of all, you can. I, I really want to let you know, we've, uh, you know, our numbers in general, uh, depending on where you are, um, are, are somewhat, some places really high, somewhat down. I want you to be mindful of that and always follow CDC guidelines. But um, think about Halloween, right? Halloween is coming up and we're all, we're all wanting to do that. And if you check out actually on, on my Instagram page, I have tips on Halloween 2020 on how to do that because it's the second favorite holiday for all of our kids next to, next to Christmas. Um, but for play dates, um, first of all, look at your child, where your child is. Um, uh, for example, uh, for, for Allie, for your daughter, for example, she's just now engaging and um, merging what's called um, cooperative play. So she really is seeking out and wanting to interact and, and play with the teacups and in the kitchen or, or the, the cars, whatever it is. Uh, and so it is really important to make sure. So I, I recommend um, still doing, if the weather permits, having them in the background having at least another uh, family that follows your same kind of safety protocols um, and, and, and just have them out in the background um, and take out toys that um, they can play with. Um, obviously wash their hands and stuff that are big, big objects that can't really be mouthed if you have little ones out there um, and just um, let them play. It does, just use a theme. I love theme. Think of like a birthday party. Think of uh, uh, things that they haven't been able to go to. For example, you know, let's say a, a zoo or they haven't been to Disneyland. Like create that theme and bring it into your background. No, you don't need to buy or purchase anything crazy. Use what you have. Just use your imagination and, um, and do some of those um, walk down memory lanes. But let your kids kind of... Um, play play that way. Uh, I do think it's important. I think little young kids, one, screen time is really a big factor, and two, it's not a realistic play environment when they're trying to do a FaceTime or a Zoom, Zoom call. You're going to lose their attention. Um, for a two-year-old, it's two minutes, three-year-old, three minutes. I mean, same, that's pretty much when I talk about duration of attention span. It's based on how old they are. So um, as kids get a little bit older, they're able to do Zoom uh, playdates, but reality is they can. So definitely use those backyard playdates. Um, I say make them theme related, especially if it's somewhere that you haven't been in a while. Uh, so you can actually kind of give them a little bit of that um, happiness that they had that they're missing out on. Yeah, those are great tips. And that's awesome for Halloween. How fun. I love it. Yeah, and I've been seeing too, like a lot of different places doing like little like drive-through experiences and just kind of switching things up to change things up. Our neighborhood's doing like a little, um, it's like a trunk or treat, like where everyone like sits on the outside of like, you know, their um, cars and have like candy and, you know, spaced out and like go around and, and share and see each other's costumes. And I think people are trying to get as creative as they can right now so that we can all feel like, we're a little bit more connected and not so distanced, you know, even though we are, of course, all trying to be safe. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Halloween's a big one and we are too. And um, the other one I love is the, um, I, we were doing an advent type calendar where every day um, my son uh, gets to open up, you know, mark off the day and there's a tiny little DIY, DIY Halloween craft that you can get from the dollar store or Amazon and create something, but it's theme related. And so it get, gets them all in the spirit. Yeah. 
So true. Well, Rena, thank you so much for all your amazing tips and everything you shared here. It's so helpful. And I know it's going to help so many moms and parents and everyone that's trying to really, you know, just get by right now and not just necessarily feel like they're surviving, but maybe at some days they can feel like they're thriving. And I think you gave so many great tools. Is there anything else that you would want to leave us with or share with us? No, everything. I mean, just, you guys just, you know, stay safe. Be kind to yourself. I love you, Allie. You're the best. And I enjoyed my time with you. Aw, thanks, Rena. Well, soon, hopefully soon enough, I'll see you IRL. We used to see each other <laughs> at events and elsewhere and everything, but uh, one day soon. But yes, thank you so much for being on and always giving me such great parenting advice as well. It's so appreciated. And I think that you know, everything that you share is, you know, what I like about you is you always give information and little tidbits of something for everyone. And I think that that's really relatable, especially you being, you know, a mom of three and everything. So thank you for what you do. Tell us where we can find you and follow you, all that good stuff. Yeah, my Instagram, I'm always putting daily parenting tips at Rena B. Patel on my website, www.renabpatel.com. And you and I are both on the Wave channel. So that's um, another outlet as well. Yes, we love our Wave channel. It's so fun, exclusive content. You guys know I've talked about that before. And Rena also has an incredible Wave channel. We might be doing a fun Wave collab in the near future. So definitely check out all of Rena's stuff. Obviously, it'll be all in the show notes. Rena, thank you so much for empowering and inspiring parents and really keeping a positive space for all of us when it comes to this crazy <laughs> journey of parenting. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe, tune in weekly for new episodes, and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired.